welcome to Seize the Table, a podcast bringing together feminism, dinner parties, music and food. I'm Alex, your host, the creator of Spare Ribs Club, an intersectional feminist book and supper club which explores feminism and social justice through literature, art, music and food. Each episode I invite our guests to take us through their perfect feminist dinner party, three feminist icons as dinner guests, three courses and three tunes being played on repeat. This week, I'm very pleased to welcome Mary O'Connell. Mary is an award-winning silly billy, comedian and writer, fresh off her sold-out, critically acclaimed debut solo hour, Money Princess, which was named Top 15 Must-See Comedy Shows 2023 by Rolling Stone, Top 12 Rising Stars by Evening Standard, and called one of the most relatable shows of the fringe by The Telegraph. Mary's performance style is a mix of observation and annoyance combined with a left-field view of the world that makes for hilarious and often absurd material. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's get started. Which three guests are you inviting over for your dream feminist dinner party? Okay, so I the first guest has to be um, co- like a comedy person because uh, I'm I'm a comedian. That's like that is my world, and so one of my favorite like comedy uh, icons is Mindy Kaling. I I I think she's so impressive. She's um she was one of the I think so she was she wrote on the office and was um Kelly Kapoor in the US office um from such a young age and she is one of the she's probably written the most episodes out of all of the writers that they had there and um and then she went on to do the Mindy project and uh as a writer producer when she's not starring and stuff i i love those projects as well i'm a big fan of never have i ever on netflix and the six lives of college girls on hbo max i think she does a really good job of just creating these characters that are likable but flawed and i think i i mean i love the mindy project as well not i feel like it's a bit of an underrated show but she really solidified that character and I love a rom-com. I love a rom-com TV show. We don't have enough of those. Um, my second guest is Janis Joplin. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if he was doing people who were still alive. Uh, I mean, sorry, who... <laughs> As in, I didn't know if, like, like dead people were included, but I just I just went with it. Yeah, and... yeah it's, a, it's a magical kind of... Yeah. You can bring people back from the dead. <laughs> uh, that's, that's good. That's good to... <laughs> Um, that's when people are at their best Um, and um, I love Janis Joplin I think she's an incredible singer and just I I just like a persona Um, there's so much soul in her in her voice and um, her life is, is obviously quite tragic and to be honest I don't think I know loads and loads about her but it's more just the way that her music makes me feel so I wanted to include her and I think that she says some really like if you listen to her live albums the stuff that she says in between uh songs is really quite I mean because she's part of the Woodstock hippie movement and um in today's age of like I don't know being like a very like productive Londoner it's nice to to hear some of that more simplistic um you know just like enjoy the day kind of stuff 
Um, and my final guest is this, um, I guess, creator and academic. I guess, is she an academic? I think she's probably an academic. MJ Corey, who um, has the um, Instagram account um, Kardashian Colloquium. And she does a lot of really interesting stuff about like deconstructing the Kardashians and pop culture and their impact on society um, in the like in every way, like how um, the Kardashians and also general pop culture has like an impact on like the economy, politics, like sociological issues, especially like body image and like just representation of women in media so I think she's a really really interesting character and um I just love I love people looking at something um that most people would view as kind of flippant uh like the Kardashians or like stuff like celebrity culture with a really academic lens because I think that's how everyone should look at the stuff uh, look at the world more um but like she makes it accessible it's not like it's not inaccessible mm. academic stuff so those three guests do you think that they would kind of if put in a room together would get on or would there be a bit of tension what do you think I don't know if there would be I guess it's if it would be difficult for Janice Joplin to maybe like keep up with everyone else because everyone else has like been alive um like since you know well like she's basically she died in what like 69 and so, so she doesn't know what's going but like let's just like just pretending that she's been caught up yeah. um I don't know if they were, I think MJ um MJ Corey and Mindy Kaling would get along or they would at least have stuff to talk about because I think Mindy Kaling's probably like met the Kardashians. Like she is that bigger celebrity now. And so they could exchange that, but I would try and be like a good host and, and make sure that we had different talking points. I mean, let's talk about your hosting. Where is this being held? Uh, Is it in a kind of, is it in your own home or in like an imagined uh, place? Where, where is it being hosted? I think let's just say that I've like rented a townhouse mm. for the for the evening because it's not my house my house isn't nice enough but if we've got like a nice budget um it'll just be like it'll feel kind of like warm and and friendly and comforting it's not too not too bougie um it's just like a friend is hosting you for dinner yeah gotcha and what tunes are going to be on repeat all evening? So I've got um, Joe by the Alabama Shakes, um, which is one of my favourite bands. Um, I think it's a really, it's a really nice song about, I guess, like, like this feeling of wanting um, stuff. I've got Dreams by Fleetwood Mac and I've got Cry Baby by Janis Joplin. So I think a nice kind of um, kind of like rocky neo folk soulful vibe, um, I guess. <laughs> Do you think Janis Joplin would like the fact that her song is being played at a dinner party she's at? Yeah, 
be. I think it's a bit insulting to invite her and not play her music. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. And that would be towards the end of the night? What, having her song on? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Maybe, maybe I play it as she comes in. Maybe I play it as um... <laughs> an entrance. An entrance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, are you serving any drinks when they arrive or going straight into food? I think we do wine. I mm. think when people come in, you just, you get, um, we ease into it with a bit of wine. Mm -hmm. uh, probably red, mm. probably red wine. And what are you serving for your starter? Um, so I put caviar on toast because I'm not, I'm not a foodie. I don't like, um... I'm not super, I don't know any good restaurants to go to if someone asks me, because I'm from London and people ask like, oh, where's a good place? And I'm like, I genuinely have no idea. Like I, I care about like, you know, because I feel like most of the time when you go to a restaurant, the food is fine. Um, and there are places where it might be like extra good, but I'm just, it's just not in my, um, it's not in my world of knowledge, but I don't mind a bit of caviar on toast, just kind of like, simple but elevated um I guess and then I would do lasagna but like those the ones that you get in like everyone gets their own individual dish and it comes in like a sort of sea of sauce and the dish is like way too hot mm. for for a good 20 minutes um when you first serve it yeah. uh, one of those and then we're gonna have pistachio ice cream to finish because uh, that was just what I was thinking about um, <laughs> when I, because I like pistachio ice cream. I like, I'm very, um, I was saying to um, someone that I'm just quite plain when it comes to desserts. Mm. Um, I, but I, I knew that I couldn't put vanilla ice cream. I think that would be too sad, um, <laughs> even though that's maybe what I do want to have. I would, I would have pistachio and vanilla ice cream, actually. Yeah, that's probably yeah, what I would do. Pistachio and vanilla. Okay. And are you doing the cooking or is someone else doing? No, someone else is doing the cooking. It's not me. <laughs> okay. So you've got caviar on toast. What kind of toast is it? Like um, cracker toast or uh, I can't remember what it's called. Like the Mel is it Melba toast where it's like quite hard, like more like a cracker or is it like actually toasted bread? It's just like a, like a wholemeal hovis um, okay. toasted. Um, I like my toast to be just... But, just kind of warm bread, not quite, not quite toasted. Yeah. Um, but, but, and like a bit of butter, a bit of lurpak, and then some caviar. I love that. Just... I think that's such a funny combination of like quite breakfasty things with like piled high with luxurious caviar. Yeah. <laughs> and how about the main? Is it uh, meaty, veggie? Oh, yeah. Um, it'll be a meat lasagna, maybe even lamb. Maybe like, like, cause it is a special occasion, I guess. So maybe like a lamb mince lasagna, but it'd be like a very nice, like a sort of like a slow, a slow cooked one. Like the mince will be, it will have been made slowly. So you've all eaten stuff full of lasagna, caviar, pistachio and vanilla ice cream. Wine is flowing. What are the topics of conversation? What do you think people will be talking about? Where does the mic go? Well, I think 
me and Mindy will maybe start off the conversation about other female comedians that we admire um and this include this like we'll talk about uh female comic actors and stuff and then MJ will uh kind of give uh a more academic take on on that sort of thing like I don't know maybe we talk about the fact that when comedians get booked for a a film they'll play like the best friend or something like that they're not quite they're not the romantic lead and then MJ might talk about that and then maybe we can talk about who's broken that mold um and I think I think Janice Joplin, as much as I love her, I feel like she'd be like a little bit badly behaved. I think she might get like bored easily. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. But then she'll like come out with something like really profound um, because the world is still kind of new to her. Like maybe we're talking about, and then we'll, ha- we'll have a bit of gossip. I do think that we're all capable of quite a bit of gossip and we might talk about um, like you know, the secrets of who's gotten plastic surgery and who's not. And Janice Joplin will be like, explain this to me. What is this procedure? <laughs> um, and we'll have to explain like sort of buckle fat removal to Janice Joplin. And she'll be like, that's ridiculous. And, um, you know, we'll sort of, we'll have to um, be like, yeah, I guess it is. But, um, you know. <laughs> There are good results and bad results of it. I mean, I think that that conversation could go on for hours, to be honest. About yeah, probably. Surgery, exactly what type of plastic surgery. Is the night ending outside, like in a bar or going out, or is it ending like very much at the house that you're having the dinner party at? I think we're just staying at the house. I'm not really like a two location in a night kind of person. And I much prefer, like, maybe we like watch a film. Um, What what film do you think would make those three people happy? (laughs) I don't know, Legally Blonde? Mm. Um, I think... uh, yeah, I think Legally Blonde is a pretty good, um, or maybe like School of Rock. Mm. One of those, like, it's got to be like a kind of like a blockbuster, but it's got to be funny yeah. and just something that like the whole family can enjoy. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, I I think it's interesting that you've chosen a fellow comedian fellow female comedian do you is Mindy Kaling the one that you've like looked up to the most out of any other or are there others that have kind of inspired your work yeah, I de- I would say that I definitely look up to her a lot I think it, um in terms of the mo- it's hard to say because like because she's you know she's American it's such a different experience doing comedy over there and having like started doing comedy over there um and 
her sort of like way into comedy would have been a little bit different to mine because I know that she would have done a bit of stand-up maybe more like improv than stand-up and I like my focus when I was first starting out in comedy was like primarily stand-up but like all comedians kind of want the same thing they want to be able to like be comedians in every sense I would say um but but yeah there are so many other comedians that I that I really look up to like I love I love Tina Fey I love Leslie Jones Tiffany Haddish London Hughes um and I really like Michelle Wolf I think she's like her stand-up is really really funny I I used to watch the Sarah Silverman show when I was younger it was on like I think it was on Comedy Central but I thought it was like just this perfect mix of like weird um and funny and so we'll probably like I'll just want to know I'll probably ask her an annoying amount of questions about every other um female comedian like who's like like a-list female comedian (laughs) I mean with some sectors with a lot of sectors there's a kind of sisterhood around other women doing a similar or the same job as you do you feel that there's a kind of sisterhood within comedy or, or or is it difficult being a woman in comedy? I think it's harder when you're first starting out. Like it's just a little bit harder to get that community um, because, um, and it's changed a lot. It has changed. The industry has gotten a lot better. But for a while, like you were just unlikely to be on a lineup with like many other women. So you just wouldn't, have the chance to meet them and so it would just get harder to to find community because um it could be you and a bunch of men on the lineup and and you just you'd have to do like so many gigs for for potentially years before you had like a sense of community with the women in the comedy industry so it's not like it's not the fault of women involved in it it's just the like it's a systemic problem with like um there being just the way that people do gigs like promote gigs and book lineups and stuff there's just not you know it's that classic thing like people um uh, I, I think it's so I think it's so cliche and boring to say women aren't funny when women have like always been funny but it's like this thing in people's minds that you can't quite like, because, you know, it's not like we've solved misogyny, so we're not going to solve it within the world of comedy either. But, like, you do feel a shift when the first woman goes up on stage in a show. Like, there is a little bit of a, oh, no, okay, we're not in safe hands anymore because it's a woman. And so um, female comedians just have to work harder to prove that they're funny. Um, so So, yeah, there's, like the sort of community comes later you kind of have to prove yourself first um just to be able to be booked um and so it's yeah you'll have different focuses do you feel since you kind of started uh, doing stand-up um that it shifts it's shifted considerably or, or not a huge amount has changed since you started i do think quite a lot has changed since i started um there's just more more people run their own nights and so there are more 
women-led comedy nights. There are more nights run by comedians who just sort of like, you know, want stage time, but also recognize the importance of, of bringing other people up. And there's just a better, there's better communication with people. Like there are more meetups, there are more, um, there's more support networks for people now. Like it's something that people are actively doing before, whereas it was maybe something that was kind of passive. Um, What do you feel kind of like feminism and intersectionality mean for you as a young comedian? Um, I guess, I don't know really, um, I think there's, I think it's important to kind of like recognise the different waves of feminism and how they worked for the, that time and how we need to keep evolving um, with the times because you never want to be, I think one of the, <clears throat> sorry, um, one of the depressing things about comedy is that quite a lot of the uh, comedians that you liked growing up or like a sort of like, you know, legends in their own right um, are just a little bit, you know, they maybe feel they've shifted to the right. They feel a little bit irrelevant. And so, or they just can't quite keep up with the times. And so, and because they don't understand how society is changing, they've decided to criticize it in like, uh, um, I guess, conservative way. And you, um, and that's been happening for a while now. And I recognize that. And I would never want to be that person. I don't want to be like, you know, like grandma comedy, like like talking shit about all the, the young people getting into comedy and being like, oh, back in my day. So I think it's important to move with the times. Um, I'm also like, as like a, like a fairly young, like woman of color, female comedian, I'm not low, I'm not at risk um, as much as maybe some other people of like going down that route. But it's just something that I think people should be aware of in the fact that comedy is extremely backwards in terms of the institution of it in terms of who is allowed to get away with stuff um in in terms of who is platformed and who isn't and kind of uh it's not enough to be like a woman in comedy anymore like and because before it was kind of like oh I'm a woman in comedy and I'm doing well so I'm kind of doing my bit for women now it's not I don't think that that's enough like I think it's important to like platform other women book other women like recommend other women if you can't do a gig um because comedy is still like extremely racist like I was I've come back from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and it's so rare that like um a black comedian or a black female comedian um sells out um their run in advance like other white performers will and it's kind of like it's just it is just racism and like and having that and recognizing that is disheartening uh, um but i think um just like understanding like so much about our industry needs to change and 
it's kind of about being a bit more active with it. And I'm not saying that's not me saying that I'm the most active person in, in uh, at all. I could I could do a lot more, but I definitely try to support um, other female comedians more um, now that I'm like. I guess, like I was saying before, like you sort of have to like focus on proving yourself and establishing yourself. And once you've done that, then you need to like just lift up and and be a supportive, um, supportive ear to to other women. In terms of your um, recent friend show, Money Princess, what influenced that kind of solo hour? Um, are there specific comedians or, or experiences um, that kind of uh, influenced your writing? And well, it's more of the um, experiences that influenced it because it, it was my first hour and I knew that I wanted to talk about money. I um, I have money anxiety. I've always been quite like conscious of money and with the pandemic and the cost of living crisis, I just felt like I was more anxious about money than ever and I felt like my anxiety towards money was holding me back from enjoying my life like some people um spend their money on um like like enjoyable experiences like holidays and and just like traveling and and um they invest in in different experiences uh which I think is healthy and a normal thing to do but because I was so worried about money I feel like I'm just I'm saving all the time I don't I don't know what I'm saving for because I'm not going to be able to to get a a house and then I actually then I entered a um stand-up competition that um it was it was the the this um it it was bizarre really but it was the OnlyFans comedy creative fund they were doing a they were doing a comedy competition and I entered it and the prize money um was a lot and I was like oh yeah this will maybe this will cure my money anxiety and I um I didn't hear back from them for a long time and so I sort of forgot about it but then the day before the competition started they called me up and they said that they wanted me to be in it and so I did it I didn't realize it was basically it was a reality tv show I had no idea that that was what it was going to be I thought it might just be a stand-up show that they streamed but it was like a six-day um shoot of a reality tv show (laughs) and I found it um really really bizarre um and and then they decided um and I made it to the final and they right before the final they said they were doubling the prize money um so so it made it so it was um it was more um and I did the final there were 10 of us at the start six of us in the final um and I won it and um so I like came into this amount of money that is like ridiculous like like in terms of comedy competitions it's kind of it's way more (laughs) than um than any other comedy competition in, in the UK at least um and I'd already decided on the title for my show being Money Princess and I'm like well now it's Money Princess in a different way um but I still have money anxiety and I still have a weird relationship towards money because I had to do this like bizarre thing in order to get money like it was like it was so it's so it it was so random uh, um 
and an absurd and it's not like I sort of like you know was sensible and like gradually earned that sort of money through making like smart choices I made like a really insane choice to sort of do this show in the first place and so it's just made my relationship to money even more complicated that's so interesting do you feel that I guess I think money anxiety is such a widespread thing that so many young women feel particularly do you feel like your money anxiety kind of comes from being a woman in a, in a sector that's maybe not super stable a lot of the time or do you think it's it's just kind of almost without gender it's it's just something that you will always have kind of had I think kind of a bit of both I do feel like money anxiety is kind of like it's not exact it, it can be a gendered issue because you know women earn less than men but it's also just such a widespread like it's just a global like issue like anyone can feel money anxiety like we are in a cost of living crisis like I've um seen so many recessions um and I've been under a Tory government um a Tory government for my whole adult life like I I kind of like all I've known is money anxiety um but then yes it's definitely can be like a gendered issue through uh not having stability in this line this career as well I still have my day job I haven't quit my day job um and kind of the fact that um and there is a level of like responsibility I think women have to be a little bit more responsible than men with them money in a sense I don't know if that makes sense like in terms of like um I don't know no I don't know if I necessarily no, I agree with that but like um, uh you're saying I think I mean I don't know if you were getting it this specific point but in terms of financial independence for women yes um, that's quite a big kind of conversation topic around how safe a woman is if having their own money especially if they have got married and suddenly are relying entirely on their partner's money and how important it is for women especially if they have kids to have their own money and that is would kind of lead to a huge amount of money anxiety if one doesn't have that yeah yeah definitely like it's important to like try and be, be somewhat financially independent even like even if you do have a partner and so there's um and women's careers also unfortunately because of um the way that things are at the moment like if you do go on maternity leave um which is important for people to do and should be um and should be accessible um and we have in in this country it's it's okay but then there's that feeling of like being behind when you go back to work um and uh other people's careers progressing whilst um you're on maternity leave like that is like a fear that like so many women have and it's like and it's um a financial thing as well um so so that is like another reason that you know it's there's potentially a reliance on an on another partner uh because you can only do so much i read 
an article about your fringe show that noted how, in their words, um, industry gatekeepers can't get their head around the fact that your comedy doesn't focus on race, believing that as you're not right, a white uh, race has to define your work, but you also can't be an absurdist. Do you feel that you have to work harder to kind of overcome that stereotype? And do you feel that stereotype is ultimately damaging to your industry? It's not like, I definitely feel like I have to work harder to overcome what people's like first thoughts might be when seeing me I don't know if I necessarily call it a stereotype I think it's more like just like I guess kind of like putting people into boxes and um I think that's reductive and boring uh because someone who and we all we all are conditioned to sort of see what people look like and make assumptions about them that's not um you know that is that is something that that exists but it's just the fact that uh the assumptions that people might make about me aren't necessarily in line with my performance style so I do have to work against some assumptions but I don't mind that tension I think tension is good for comedy and like surprising audiences is good for comedy and so it's um it's not so much something that I put on the audience but I think the industry as a uh, should be smarter uh in not putting me in a box like I wouldn't I'm I don't expect certain things of like audiences but I'm like I know how to deal with an audience eventually like you know I'm on stage for long enough I'm doing my jokes for long enough they'll get a better sense of who I am like because you know they've just seen me like they have to get to know me first but um the industry um I think need to do better in terms of there being only so many roles I can play or so many like uh jobs and opportunities that would be offered to me because of what I look like um and just the fact that people might be pushing me in one direction when I don't really want to be pushed in any direction like I just want to do what I want and in terms of doing what you want what is next uh for you oh that's a good question honestly I think I'm still like extremely depressed post Edinburgh it's like you've been because you've been working towards something for so long and then and then you do it and like and Edinburgh is very emotionally um exhausting (laughs) um and it's like like when people have just been like gearing up for a big event and then that event happens and they sort of just feel a bit empty um I I I still kind of need to recover a bit I've not uh, um like the the notion of doing any task just feels um gargantuan right now but I do want to focus a bit more I do want to focus more on writing um I've got some like scripts that I've like and some projects that I've worked on before that I want to maybe breathe new life into and like do some redrafts of those sorts of things I I want to try and do a bit more acting I um I've acted a bit before I was in plays at uni but I've never kind of taken it seriously before but I do think that um if I like I want to be like an all-rounder comedian so I think it's important to be a good actor as well 
um and so i might take a couple classes or do a course or something like that um i also need to go on holiday but that's not (laughs) um hasn't happened yet Um, well, thank you so much, Mary, for uh, a wonderful dinner party with great guests um, and a fab conversation. I always ask my guests one final question, which is, what are you doing on an everyday basis in a small way to become a better feminist, either for yourself or for those around you? Um, so on an everyday basis... How am I trying to be a better feminist? I don't, I, feel, I mean, I could definitely be doing more. Um, I think, I think I'm just, I'm supporting the women in my life, um, and in the in my community. I think that's important to do. I'm very like, I do think it's important to check in on your friends and um if and also I'm very good do you know what I am actually good at doing I'm good at giving um my friends financial advice that's something (laughs) that um that I do because like I'm very like I'm a Capricorn I'm very practical I'm very like solution oriented um and so my friends will say stuff to me and I'm like okay but like do you have a high interest savings account all of this stuff and like and so I'm just trying to one step at a time trying to bring financial independence um to (laughs) to the women in my community which I do think is very important that sounds quite serious to be honest (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much Mary for joining us today thank you for having me